Hello and welcome to Pali, the Hindu's weekly discussion podcast. I'm Prashant Perumal, your host for the day. Former Reserve Bank of India Governor Raghuram Rajan earlier this week questioned the center's production-linked incentive scheme, arguing that it works against the interests of Indian consumers. Mr. Rajan has been a notable critic of the government's efforts to promote the country's manufacturing sector through the use of subsidies. He has instead wanted to vouch for the greater emphasis on the country's service sector, which is seen as its main strength. His comments, his recent comments, come at a time when many businesses uh, in the manufacturing sector have been vying for special benefits uh, from the center that's been offered under the PLI scheme. So, to discuss this issue and its ramifications, I have with me. Uh, Mr. Ajay Shah was a research professor of business at Jindal Global University, and Mr. Nagesh Kumar, who is a director at the Institute of Studies in Industrial Development. Uh, welcome to both of you. My first question is like it's a very fundamental question, like uh, as to do with like what sector that the government should focus on and stuff. So, do you think a like a government policy should actually focus on a particular sector, on like promoting a certain sector, and is that like good for consumers? Ajay, your take on it? I find myself skeptical. about the concept that state bureaucracy will be able to understand and anticipate and predict which sectors will do well and which sectors will do badly uh, we have seen this movie over and over in world history that it is very difficult to forecast what will work what will not work this is the job of private people this is the job for speculation this is a job for risk taking nobody knows the future only a risk taking person can look in the future and take a speculative bet that you know what i think the computer hardware industry is now ready to happen in india or you know what i think that automobile component manufacturing can be done in india and so on so who could have predicted that two wheelers in india would actually fight off foreign competition pretty well while dozens and dozens of other manufacturing sectors in india got butchered when faced with foreign competition this is risk taking this is speculation it is not feasible for officials in bureaucracies to look at the industrial landscape of a country and uh, make these speculative calls partly because they do not have the information or the forecasting ability partly because they do not have the incentive like private speculators do and partly because they are not in an organization that is set up to support encourage and protect them when the speculation goes wrong when such speculation goes wrong an official of the indian government will be investigated by the cbi and the ed so which official is ever going to take a risk of saying that i took decisions that favored such and such private players so for all these reasons the job of figuring out what is a industry where there is a good possibility in the country this task is best left to the private sector the job of the government is to create a broad enabling environment create a single rate gst do zero rating of exports create a mechanism for low cost transportation of goods and so on things that are neutral to industry so the word industrial policy has actually become extremely suspect in the last 50 years if it means picking winners it is difficult for a state to know who will be the winner and who will be the loser thank you nagesh nagesh your take yes well thank you uh, prashant for you know this discussion very timely i would say uh, i have a slightly different view compared to uh, you know ajay uh, i think 
the history of uh, development not only in uh, developing country but all the industrialized countries of today if you go back to their the times when they were growing they all had you know something uh, like strategic interventions you call it or you prefer uh, industrial policy or the development state i think it is uh, while i agree that everything government cannot do but certain prioritizing certain strategizing uh, for some sectors which are supposed to have more desirable uh, you know uh, features in terms of uh, more job creation in terms of uh, linkages with, with other sectors like sometime we had this uh, concept of a core sector heavy industries because they are forward linkages of these so greater attention being paid to certain sectors which will bring about greater industrialization more job creation and sustain growth etc etc and industrial policy you know there was a time when it had become a bad word it has resurfaced in a lot of uh, you know sort of very aggressive manner that different countries have been pushing the certain you know uh, industries or sectors the latest example of us having the chips act we under which some 50 billion dollars of incentives will be given to companies to develop or to strengthen their uh, semiconductor uh, industry is an example and boeing and airbus have been supported all through you know their evolution in us eu respectively so there different uh, governments and east asian countries less said better because each one of the highly manufacturing uh, kind of uh, capacities that have been created in each one of these east asian countries starting from japan to south korea to taiwan uh, malaysia uh, you know thailand uh, and china and vietnam each one has been a story of strategic interventions taken by uh, the state or the government and uh, then leading to where they are today uh, with the you know very high proportion of workers employed in and getting decent jobs in the manufacturing sector and they have become manufacturing powerhouses running consistent trade surpluses and current account surpluses and uh, you know uh, so there is something to be learned from their examples and in that context i think the current uh, sort of focus of the government of india to promote manufacturing sector i think is very timely because over the last 75 years of india's independence we have moved in certain direction where you know agriculture dominated economy has been substituted by a services dominated economy like if i can just interrupt there like why do you find merit to the argument like uh, to rajan's comment that uh, india should be focusing on manufacturing rather than services like yes i am coming to that only so in uh, services we have certainly developed some advantage and we are uh, doing rather well so services share has gone up to 56% in gdp however 
this sector has not been able to create you know jobs in a commensurate manner i mean it has not been able to create jobs of the order of its share in the gdp so the result is that uh, agriculture which has been substituted in terms of proportion of gdp by services it still continues to sustain nearly 45% of india's workforce which means that 15% of gdp supporting 45% of workforce means the poverty uh, the uh, pervasive informality all are going to be uh, there uh, and will not be solved until we can find decent work opportunities highly more productive job opportunities for the workforce to shift away from agriculture and for that i think uh, manufacturing sector is one uh, which remains under exploited in india and so we need to focus attention on that because manufacturing sector for the direct jobs that it can create it can create more indirect jobs as well because it is an empirical fact that manufacturing of all productive sectors has highest backward and forward linkages so it is not one doesn't need to look at just the direct job creation potential of manufacturing but also the indirect jobs that will come with it so altogether i think there is a significant potential of manufacturing sector to create jobs lift the people stuck in agriculture related activities uh, to higher productivity uh, jobs and that is the future for india ajay your response to that on industrial policy i want to say that when we look at world history we see many 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 attempts by governments to pick winners okay it could be favoring one businessman it could be favoring one technology it could be favoring one industry and yes it is always possible to find a subset of those interventions where with the benefit of hindsight the intervention looks good but equally there is a very large number of failure stories so i feel that a balanced assessment of the history of state intervention in this field yields a reasonably poor perspective on this subject for an analogy everyone who thinks that you should have a strong leader and points to lee kuan yew as a demo of how well a strong leader works needs to also counterbalance the fact that there are hundreds of strong leaders all over the world who have done pretty badly so overall our basic fact of political science and economics is that strong leaders work poorly so that's my first response that while it is always possible to find individual episodes such as the role of the taiwanese government in fostering the semiconductor ecosystem in taiwan it is also possible to identify a very large number of failure stories and the overall assessment of industrial policy is not good second different strokes for different folks we should think about the country that we operate in we should think about state capacity we should think of bureaucratic capacity we should think of the political system we should think of the incentives of the policy makers we should think of the capabilities of the policy makers yes in the 50s there was a miti in japan which did some pretty remarkable things but is that the kind of bureaucratic and political leadership that we see around us in the country today so we've got to come up with policy ideas that are sensitive to our local we saw how there was remarkable uh, civil service quality 
in the early years after independence in India. And in fact, these kinds of interventionist policies led to a corrosion of civil service quality and of state capacity. So we should be very careful when we go down the route of giving high discretion into the hands of the state, because already we in India have a low state, we have had a great decline in state capability, and the more discretion that is there in the hands of the state, the bigger the danger of further corroding the state capacity. So Nagesh, can you pick up from that point over yeah, discretion that's uh, part of the old PLI thing, uh, where the government actually choosing which company gets a certain favor or certain subsidy and stuff. It's the scope of cronyism in the old uh, policy. Right. Well, first of all, to to respond to Ajay's point that there have been enough uh, failures. Yes, wherever the clarity of objectives was not there, of course, there would be failures. Uh, but, you know, look at the successes. Germany uh, pursued very strong uh, interventionist policy for industrialization. Japan did. South Korea did. China did and is doing. Taiwan did. Uh, Singapore, Thailand, Malaysia. So every single success story of industrialization today is this, you know, uh, the the countries which had very strong dose of state intervention. And, uh, uh, you know, of course, uh, they changed track as they went along. And that was a very important thing, uh, rather than getting stuck with one type of policy for a long time. And this is one mistake which uh, our uh, policymakers made. I mean, it was good to start with import substituting industrialization, but then also it was important to add to that competitive uh, industrialization rather than just industrialization by, you know, at any cost or any uh, level of competitiveness. So this is when we look back, you know, Indian experience vis-a-vis the East Asian examples, uh, there was this difference that we had only import substituting industrialization and not competitiveness added to it, which East Asian countries did. Now, coming back to the PLI, and and of course, state capacity is very important, and whether PLI uh, would lead to some kind of cronyism, all of these things are, you know, possible. But when uh, the scheme or initiative or incentive this like in PLI is linked to performance, you know, that you deliver a certain outcome, you get a particular incentive. So there is very little room for discretion, which is there to favor a particular company or a particular, you know, uh, player over the other. So there is an objective criteria which has been defined that you perform uh, better than last year's performance, you get four to six percent of incentive. And of course, uh, you know, one can have a third party kind of uh, verification or ratification of the performance to uh, sort of minimize any misuse of that or, uh, you know, or cronism in the uh, implementation of these schemes, which would be uh, very important, I presume. And also, as we go along, 
tighten the criteria further you know so bring in export performance bring in competitiveness bring in innovation and all that so it is possible to have a, you know incentive system and you know get more most of the objectives achieved without major uh, problems of uh, you know going in uh, wrong you know in terms of outcomes Ajay, do you agree that there's not really a worrisome amount of discretion in PLI and the whole policy? If you read the details of the design of the policy framework and the choice of the industries that it operates in is, of course, susceptible to many, many decisions. So it's not like a decision-free environment. And then there are always many, many pushes and pulls that happen. It's impossible to do this without a high level of discretion. And I also want to say, that there is an inherently big company, small company problem in this. This is straight out of India of the 1960s, that when these frameworks are established, basically only large firms are able to do the hard work of pounding the corridors of power and engaging with the government, filling in all the forms and getting these benefits. It is far, far better to not have the disabilities in the first place because then even small firms benefit. So I would really be puzzled and ask the government, why are there these disabilities? If there is a mistake in the GST, solve it. If there is a mistake in the Companies Act, solve it. If there is a mistake in the income tax treatment, solve it. So I just don't get the argument that there are these disabilities, so we're going to refund it. It's better to go to the root cause and solve it because then everybody benefits. Every company, large or small, domestic or outward oriented, benefits from a more rational policy environment. And I don't buy the idea of double quotes disabilities as being certain prices. Okay, So when people say that electricity is expensive in India, I don't buy that. You know, labor is cheap in India. That's your big advantage. So the comparative advantage of operating in India is because labor is, is cheap. It doesn't mean everything has to be cheap. And so for various industries, there'll be a vector of inputs that goes into the industry and each firm has to figure out whether it is competitive to operate in India. What we should focus on is just mistakes of public policy. So the way the Indian Companies Act works, the way the Indian capital controls work, the way the Indian income tax works, the way the Indian GST works, these are the sources of disability. And it is actually feasible for today's government. The BJP has a complete grip of both the Lok Sabha and the Rajya Sabha. They should just pilot these right bills and get all these problems solved. May I come in, Prashant? Yeah, sure, sure. Yes, well, actually, uh, you know, it's certainly important to fix what is wrong uh, so that you don't have to subsidize. But we, when we look at all other countries, governments are giving incentives. So if we want uh, to get certain investments, we need to also see what is going on in the world. And I mean, a country as highly developed as United States has this CHIPS Act. And it is not the first time. United States government has been giving lot of lot of subsidies to uh, corporations, you know, in, under different tax. I don't have time to go into that. The second thing is that you know, one needs to look at the market, uh, look at the uh, situation at a particular time. And uh, as we have suffered from this, uh, you know, uh, COVID pandemic and uh, Indian economy in 2021 was actually shrinking by six and a half or seven percent. So 
pulling out of uh, that kind of situation, you need to revive the investment cycle. And then investment cycle, so when the investment uh, cycle is at the lowest ebb, it is not uh, you know, enough to just liberalize the rules or uh, fix the uh, what is wrong with it. Because as there is this, this saying, you can take horse to the water, but you can't force him to drink. So I think certain uh, moments you need to uh, incentivize and uh, providing some kind of a carrot uh, which helps to revive the investment cycle. And uh, once it is revived, then sometimes it becomes self-sustaining and self-propelling kind of uh, momentum uh, may be generated. So sometimes these uh, you know, incentives have that kind of role. And uh, I think this uh, PLI scheme was a, a product of the packages under, you know, uh, this uh, pandemic response packages. And so that must have been one important consideration. In normal times, perhaps you may not need this kind of uh, approach. And so, and this is not India alone. I think the different governments have been uh, following this kind of uh, approach. So Nagesh, how would you respond to someone who says that rather than focusing on this sector or that sector and all these discretionary policies, particularly when the government has such a majority in both the houses, why not just liberalize across sectors and let the market forces decide where where the growth happens, where it doesn't, based on comparative advantages? Yeah, to, to my mind, I think the sectors which have been selected include some of the new uh, sun, sunrise sectors like uh, you know the semiconductor uh, or chips making uh, the some uh, of the sectors where we have a high level of import dependence and the feeling is that we can make some of these things in India as a part of industrialization drive. So a white goods sector, you know, so some of these are basically making consumer electronics or electrical goods. So wherever the opportunities of creating new industries or uh, substituting, uh, you know, dependence uh, or uh, reducing the dependence on imports and then, then there is a high spillovers or linkages with other sectors. So I think they have been chosen uh, with some kind of uh, criteria and not uh, you know, randomly taken uh, from anywhere. And of course, uh, one could argue that uh, you know, these are also additional sectors, but one can go about that in, uh, but some, uh, you know, one has to start somewhere. And so starting would be obviously from most promising sectors and sunrise uh, sectors which are coming up where we could benefit from having, say, for instance, a semiconductor uh, ecosystem, which could have a lot of forward linkages for the electronics, uh, entire uh, you know a range of electronics uh, equipment, and where we have a huge rising, very rapidly rising demand. So obviously, one would like to begin there. And then, uh, you know, follow up with the forward linkages to unfold the whole range of a whole gamut of uh, the electronics uh, production sector, which is going to be a 
big, big uh, industry in the coming years. So the uh, storage solutions or the batteries for EVs would obviously be again a growth industry. So I think it is, I would not uh, think that these sectors have been uh, selected to to benefit a particular, uh, you know, uh, individual or, uh, you know, but you could find fault with uh, one or two of them, but most of them uh, represent some opportunities uh, that India should be exploiting at this moment. And of course, uh, as one goes along, uh, one could benefit from the experience and pick or add more sectors to, to this list of initial 14. Ajay, do you have a response to the question? Yeah, yeah just two quick responses. I, I remain uh, nervous and skeptical that uh, we economists, policymakers do not have a crystal ball. We do not know the future. We do not know what the world is going to look like 10 years out, 20 years out. Over and over and over in India's history, the decisions of some of the most respected thinkers and policymakers in terms of favoring this sector or that sector have proved to be wrong. So I, I just don't find it persuasive that we have the forecasting capacity to figure out what is going on. It is risky, it is speculative, and the word speculative appropriately belongs in the private sector. You want to trade on the stock market? I'm all for a sophisticated discussion that should we be buying the stocks of a labor-intensive garment company or should we be buying the shares of uh, electronics manufacturing company. That's a discussion for private speculators to have. It's not a discussion for people involved in public policy to have. And uh, I just want to come back on the analogy that in the United States, there's a CHIPS Act. I have two problems with that analogy. First, uh, Ashok Desai's law teaches us that every bad idea has been adopted in at least one good country. And uh, if we start making these analogies, then essentially you find a good country which is practicing most bad idea that you want to find. So, for example, because they have agricultural subsidies in Europe, you will argue that we should have agricultural subsidies in India and so on. So that's a tricky and slippery slope to go into. We should always be able to argue things from first principles. Does this make sense? Why does this make sense? And then remember, the numbers involved are really tiny. So when you look at the European agriculture subsidy divided by European GDP, it's basically nothing. You take the American subsidies for chips and divide by the American GDP, it's basically nothing. Whereas here in India, if you think of a trillion dollars of exports and then 6% of that, that's $60 billion, it's taking a significant chunk out of the tiny amount of tax revenues of the Indian state. So we've got to be careful about context. So Nagesh, if you have a response yeah, well, uh, I think there is a very, uh, you know, important difference of opinion between what Ajay is saying and myself. Uh, I think I remain very optimistic and uh, I don't buy this argument that, uh, you know, the, the U.S. Chips Act and so wrong policies being adopted in uh, good countries doesn't mean that we should take. But how do we know that it is a wrong policy until it has been implemented? So that only time will tell. But the, own, uh, the point is that when we are uh, trying to revive our economy and we want investment cycle to pick up, 
uh, we need to persuade uh, uh, you know investors to invest and for that some incentivization is important and especially in the context when other countries or other governments are doing that if we don't do uh, we can do it only at our peril so we uh, need to be vigilant of because we it is an open economy context that we are working in it is not a closed economy context anymore uh, so we have to be seeing what others are doing and if we don't then simply all the those investments of the chip manufacturers will go to us or taiwan wherever there are more incentives we won't uh, uh, get any of them and uh, you ajay's point about the stock markets are the best judges and all that i think they, you know we also know that how much of uh, manipulation and uh, drives uh, you know that the short term capital flows coming to the country and driving them up and then next day when they leave the stock markets come down can i can i just clarify i did not say the stock market knows best i'm saying the appropriate arena for speculative discussions that will garment manufacturing do well in india will automobile components do well in india the appropriate arena for that conversation is the stock market not the space of public policy yeah of course so that is why where i am saying that you know stock markets are the movements of stock markets are also driven by certain forces which are not really working in two sense of the market so if we are just driven or by that then sometimes we may, may be misled also so i think the short point is that i feel that what has been done through pli and the focus current focus of the government to promote manufacturing sector is the right thing to do at this moment and services of course are doing already very well and there is no reason why we should not exploit the strength india has built in services so uh, we should have two engines of growth services and manufacturing not just one okay thank you guys we are not the questions as well and we got like completely different viewpoints as well so that put uh, thanks both of you it's a delight to do this kind of civil and sophisticated conversation <laughs> likewise uh, ajay great thanks both of you i'll stop thanks <laughs> <laughs>